Blog Talk Radio. Now on Blog Talk Radio, you're listening to Wine Talk with Stu the Wine Guru. Welcome to Wine Talk for tonight, Wednesday, February 15th, 2011. It's 11 p.m. Eastern, and I'm your host, Stu the Wine Guru. Coming to you live from beautiful Coral Springs, Florida, as I always do. As you know, I'll take your calls anytime during the show at 1-646-381-4860 or email me your questions to info at studentheweinguru.com. You can also go into my chat room here on the show page and chat with other wine enthusiasts or tweet me any questions you like to at studentheweinguru on Twitter and I'll read them live on the show. I want to say thanks to all the listeners globally for getting the word out about my show. Welcome to all of you listening worldwide. I call that Power of the People Meets the Power of the Internet. Now, if you want to find out more about me, just Google Stu the Wine Guru. You can find websites, videos, magazines, and TV shows I'm currently a part of. Speaking of articles and reviews, I'm writing wine articles and reviews for Yahoo, Examiner.com, Simply the Best Magazine, and two weeks ago, I inked a deal to be the contributing wine expert for Mode International Lifestyle Magazine and host on Mode TV. Check out my wine articles in Simply the Best Magazine, which is a lifestyle magazine available on newsstands at Barnes & Noble and fine bookstores. All my wine articles are now available on any smartphone. Just download the Hello Vino app, and you can take my wine reviews and articles with you anywhere you go. Of course, the number to call in is one 381 4860, or if you're shy and you prefer the computer, email me your questions to at info at stewthewineguru.com. You can also tweet me your questions to at stewthewineguru on Twitter, and I'll read them live here on the show. So, without further wait, let me bring on my guest for tonight. He is an amazing winemaker, and basically, his vineyard put Napa Valley on the global wine map about 35 years ago. The name of the wine company is Chateau Montalegna. And his name is Bo Barrett. Let me bring Bo on to, for tonight. 
Oh, you there? I'm here. Fantastic. Well, first and foremost, Bo, I want to thank you very much for joining us on the show tonight. I really appreciate it. And this is going to be a uh, exciting evening. Um, let me just let you know how things go here. Um, I we have people in the chat room. We'll have people who will tweet questions, uh, email, uh, and they call in. So uh, they're going to come fast and furious, uh, and we'll just try to uh, <laughs> deal with them as they come. That work? That's easy. Excellent, excellent. Um, I think what I'll do is I will uh, start with maybe some of my questions. So the first question is, what got you interested in winemaking? Uh, basically skiing. I got into winemaking so I could pay for my lift pass in Utah when I was a young man. <laughs> <laughs> so and, uh, then it, it just grew on me. I said, this is really cool, and uh, just kind of got onto it. But actually, it was to pay for my lift passes. I would work uh, summer and fall at the winery, and then I would ski all winter, and then just, you know, got the winemaking got my blood. Gotcha. You couldn't make it any more difficult, right, Bo? <laughs> you had to make <laughs> simplistic as skiing. Okay. You know, it's just uh, it's a it's something that gets in your blood. It's just it's a, it's an infectious disease. Most definitely, but one that everybody wants, though. Um, uh, yeah. I think so. I uh, we're ha- we're happy that you did. Could, you know, you could have been an amazing, maybe an amazing skier, and you know that never got involved in wine, and we probably wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Um, so, who were your biggest influences in the industry? I mean, other than your dad, of course. Well, my biggest influence, I think, was my uh, my maestro Jerry Looper. Uh, he was the guy. He was the uh, second winemaker we shot to Montalena. The first one I did my, you know, I think that uh, winemaking is a little bit like the old trades, little guilds, and we do our, you know, our apprenticeships and our journeymanship. And I did my journeymanship under a guy named Jerry Looper, and he taught me a lot about uh, what's right and what's wrong about wine. And then my apprenticeships were with Mike Gergich, or Montalena's original guy. And then, but actually, how to be a really visionary guy it was uh, Justin Meyer, who uh, started Silver Oak. Great guy who taught me a lot about the business. Yes, uh, and I've I've had on uh, let's see from Silver Oak I think I had uh, Dave Duncanson on um, not too long ago. Um, I guess here's the question that I I've, I know I've been asked a million times from people, uh, and that is explain to my listeners about how close the storyline of Bottle Shock was to your experiences personally, and then where the differences come in. Well. The bottle shock, the storyline in the bottle shock is actually everything that happens in that film is a an expansion or embroider upon the fabric of the truth. So, you know, everything happened. The wine did turn, you know, it pinked, it had a problem. Um, there, there's some makeup stuff like, you know, we didn't have any girls around those days. But the main thing is that the storyline where we were a bunch of people working really hard to make really good wine to make a difference in the world at that time, as we saw it. That that's really true. Um, so the storyline is very accurate in that it's uh, an embroidery upon the fabric of the truth. It's just it's a, it's a Hollywood version of how hard we worked at the time. Right. Okay. That's fair. That, that kind of explains. It. I have to say, it was a, a, ver, a very uh, um, entertaining, uh, but also uh, informative movie at the same time. I mean, I I really enjoyed it. 
I yeah, my and top. everything everything really happened. I think that what I I say, the the most act when they introduced my character, he's dancing and you know got a ball of shard in one hand and something other in the other hand. That that's a very accurate part, probably. <laughs> that that might have happened. Uh, well, that was the '70s. We have to you know at least give credit there. That was the '70s. Yeah, it was it was the '70s, and it was it was a great time to be in Napa Valley at the time. It was just you know in the pre '76, it was it was a kind of. Um, Bunch of people working really hard with a great dream, and and I think that the movie expresses that very well. It's like a bunch of dreamers uh, made it happen, and that that is really absolutely the truth. And so that's where the movie tells the truth is that a bunch of dreamers made it happen, and that was good. Right. That's good. That's right. a good version of what happened. And I have to say, it's pretty amazing when you look back on. And I, on, in my intro, um, I really truly believe that Chateau Montalegna and that particular contest, if you will, basically put Napa Valley on the map. I don't think that's too broad a stroke to be able to uh, to say that. No, um, that's, it's, it's actually very accurate because at that time, you know, back in 74 or 76, the central center of American winemaking is Modesto and the Gallows. And when, you know, Chateau Montalena and Sagsley, both Napa winery properties won the Paris tasting, it really put the focus back on Napa where it had not been since, you know, 1890, 1900. And that's when right. we moved back up. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty amazing. I have to I have to say, you know, we're basically as a new world, and I say as we, meaning, you know, the United States and, of course, uh, Napa Valley being, let's say, the the, the beginning, the originator of um, uh, wine here in the States. We're basically in our infancy if you really think about it, as New World winemakers uh, in comparison, obviously, to Europe. So to be able to, to, to have that happen is such an integral part, and I'll use your term, of the fabric of the uh, of the, the wine industry. And it kind of was like a uh, – it propelled uh, the market forward by, you know, it, you know, it may not have happened too much later if you think about it. Had that not happened, who's to say how much longer it might have taken – before we would have been recognized, you know, on the world market. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of a feather in your cap, um, and 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 a great one because look how much great wine we've been able to in- enjoy <laughs> for the past 35, 40 years. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a, we're coming up on 40 years, and that's a it's a hell of a it's a hell of a thing, and we're we're very happy and proud to be a just a tiny little part of it. So so you oh, what do you feel? Are the the components that make up a great wine? Since you do make some great wine, by the way. Well, I think that it, so for us, it's like going back, all the way back to Leonardo. It's like you know, wine is sunlight captured by water. So I think what makes a great wine is the sense of place. That it's just that it captures that light, that year, that place, that you know, vintage. And I think that that's what really is uh, special and unique about wine. It's, uh, it's like the place, whether it's you know Napa Valley or Oregon or Italy. It's just like this is what the weather was like that year. And if you have a good winemaker and good vineyard, you capture it, you put it in the bottle, and we can express it. And I think that's a magic thing. I think that's really special. And it's uh, there's nothing else like it. Like we're capturing sunlight. Yeah, I mean, here, here's the thing that I've always said about wine, which is an amazing fact, is that, it, one, it's alive, and two, it's ever-evolving. You know, that idea of, you know, 
someone says, you know, man, I had this great wine and I back, you know, 25 years ago, and then I, I try to find it later on and drink it again, and it didn't taste the same. And then if you go back to where that person was, what the situation was, you know, who they were with, all those things <laughs> go together <laughs> to make that experience what it was. It, you know? it, it's a very human thing. It's about people on this planet, and that's what's special. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have some emails coming in here, so I'm just going to uh, go right to them. Uh, the first one is from Diablo Vinho. I hope I spent, you know, pronounced that properly, from Lisbon, Portugal. It says, hi, Stu, great show. Are there any other wine varietals Bo will be producing other than the ones he is producing now? Well, first I want to thank Diablo Vinho of uh, Lisbon, Portugal, for your email. And, Bo, you want to field that one? Uh well, we're working on <laughs> sure. I think that uh, winemaking is like art. You always want to, you know, keep your options open on your media. And I think sure. the different grape varieties are different media. You know, white wine is uh, watercolor, and red wine is sculpture. So yeah, sure. We'll, we'll we keep looking at stuff. Um, we the only thing we're planting right now that's not in the regular stuff is Petit Verdot. Uh, that's just a finishing agent, but uh, we, we're all monkeying around with stuff. Yeah, sure, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Well, and I just want to let everybody know that uh, you as well, that if you go into the chat room right now, uh, your website, which is www.montelena, that's M-O-N-T-E-L-E-N-A.com, is there. So you can actually click on it, go right to it, and then find out all the good information, tidbits, facts, fun stuff, history, all the good stuff. And you can even buy wine there as well. So the cool thing is if right now you happen to have a glass of wine in your hand and you're sipping on it, you can actually sip wine while you buy wine from Chateau Montalena. So I just want to let you guys know that. And the next email uh, is from, let's see, Stacy 2 from Boston, Mass. It says, hi, Stu and Bo. My question is, why is one cab more expensive than the other that you offer, like the estate versus the Napa? That's a good question, okay? Yes, that's a great question. In Massachusetts, thank you for your question. Go ahead, Bo. Um, basically, it's a yield per acre is the fundamental thing. It's like the estate Cabernet is grown uh, in very um, dry soils, and it's very low-yielding, typically, you know, half an acre, half a ton per acre to maybe one and a half per acre, where the Napa Cabernet grows in the three to five tons per acre range. So, you know, just change it. If you envision tons per acre, as, you know, you look out and there's a one bottle of wine at each grapevine, that that's one ton, one ton per acre is like you look out and there's, you know, 474 vines per acre. There's a single bottle at each vine. That's what you're paying for. Like that that piece of land, it's like low yielding, and then it's that much more work, hand work for the entire thing. The farming, the winemaking, everything just costs that much more. So, actually, out of Napa Valley, in general, you know, in Europe, you pay for prestige of the house, but in Napa Valley, you pay for hand work and the care of the people and the low yield. That's pretty much how it goes. So, it's Chateau Montalena specifically. The estate Cabernet is below one and a half tons per acre, which is very low yield. And then the Napa Valley Cabernet runs at three to five tons per acre. You know, it's farmed just completely different, just 
you know, it yields more per acre and it uh, allows us to produce the wine at a better, you know, cost and deliver it to our customers at a, at a you know, better price. Sure. And, you know, and that that's a great analogy. I like that, that visual that one could actually, you know, because the average person who, you know, doesn't have that um, understanding. Yeah, would, just driving down the road, think about it. You're driving down the road, you see the grapevines, there's a case at each vine or there's a single bottle at each vine, and that's right. the difference. And let me ask, ask you a question with that. Um, in comparison to other vintners, Within Napa Valley, you're you're pretty much low yield, all you know across the board. Am I right? Yeah, no, that's our thing. That's what we do. Right. So so no matter you know in comparison. So if you think about it that way, uh, it's still at the let's say uh, the Napa. The Napa is still low yield in comparison to other. So look, think of the value that you're getting by getting yeah. even the Napa. You know, yeah, the, our, our our Napa Cabernet is what we consider low or top end. You know, I mean, seriously, that's a a great bottle of wine. We work really hard to keep it at a price where people can get it. You know, at the restaurant for you know, and it's 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 a very expensive wine. It's a hundred dollars at a restaurant. We know that, but uh, it's a very rare, unique. These are great vineyards out of Napa Valley. Some of the best vineyards on the planet. And uh, we do. We work really hard to pack all the value into that wine we can. I have to say it's an outstanding bottle uh, and a great value uh, for the price. Uh, I can just tell you here in Florida, I've seen it for you know under under fifty dollars. So you know when you look at that as the threshold and say to yourself, I've always said you can you can close your eyes and get a good bottle for about fifty bucks without even having to think. Most bottles around that price, I, I've seen. Out of Napa are, are are really good, but I have to say yours is exceptionally good, uh, and uh, and I think it drinks like a much more expensive bottle than the the price that you you offer it at. So I just wanted to, to you know put that out there and let everybody know listening um, that they should go out and and seek it out. And if you can't find it where you are in the world, uh, you can certainly go on online to. Uh, com and find out how you can get it from them directly. Uh, let's see. Next question is from Luciana Crespo of Naples, Italy. And it says, Ciao, Stu. Buonanotte. Uh, please ask Mr. Barrett if he enjoys other styles of wine, like Italian, and what his thoughts are on old world wine versus new world. Good question. That's Thank a you great for- question. Yes, I am... I love wine uh, in general. It's like I know, you know, my I am an enthusiastic uh, enjoyer of wine from around the world. So yes, I had uh, some Italian wine. Somebody dropped off at the winery today. It's from the Marche, and it was like really like picked in November. I, I'm sure I'm not saying March, March, whatever the east, northeastern Italy or whatever. Right, no. Lamar. No, it's yeah, Lamar. So we had some really nice wine, but it was picked in November, really late to get the acid low. It was just, you know, I thought it was a really very nice wine. But no, I, I'm a student of wine. I like what they're making all around the world. It's, you know, it's my thing. So I, I'm a student. It's like try to understand the um, what people make around the world. It's very important. It's like localism is good. You know, being an old surfer, like I know my break, I know my waves. And then I want to share it with other people. And the same with our wines. So it's awesome. 
Oh, and he says, um, uh, and she says, actually, um, what are your thoughts on old world wine versus new world? My my thoughts on old world wine is very important. I believe that Emile Peinot is right on. I believe that his chemistry has been, it's never been defeated. I think that, uh, that I know I'm speaking to the inside crowd here, but uh, Emile Peinot, knowing and making wine, that his basic chemistry is right on, and I've never seen it uh Defeated yet? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so overall wine, uh, uh, yes, the 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 fundamental chemistry probably that came down from the Romans is uh, remains valid. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, it's funny that could be a whole show unto itself. You and I, Bo, talking about that <laughs> going yeah. back. But but uh, uh, in in essence. Um, I think there's. A, I can hear through your, through your what your your explanation is uh, a, uh, a sense of respect for you know what has come before and how it's been tweaked and uh, updated, if you will, um, via New World wine from old. Yeah, world. and I, I like New World wines. I, and I respect them. I like them. But my job is making classical, old style wine. You know, basically Chateau Montalena. The job is old world style. New world, new world ripe sunlight flavors. So we, we you know, we make uh, you know basic fundamental chemistry, 14 alcohol, you know, and uh, good acid, good pH, and um, we just make wines to the old world chemistry. But we have a lot of sunlight in California, and uh, we take advantage of that too. It's like take, it's the best of both worlds. Where I work, I'm one of the luckiest winemakers on the planet. I have a great vineyard. Um, really reliable place, uh, good sunlight, uh, good weather. You know, we don't have to spray a lot, not a lot of humidity problems. And it's just, uh, I'm one of the guys who happens to work in a, you know, blessed place. It's a really, it's a great thing. But I really respect old world winemaking and the chemistry. And uh, anything we've done in California, I think, I would say it's uh, standing on the shoulders of the giants that have gone before. I, I agree a thousand percent. I have a quick question for you. So, it, it, tell me if I'm right about this or how accurate this, this statement would be. O one, O three, O five, O seven, and potentially O uh, let's say O eight. Probably the best of the decade so far. Yeah. Well, we all we all went the millennium turns like oh the best of the millennium. You know, with the two thousand and one. Clearly the best you know vintage of the millennium. <laughs> We only made two, but that was our best one. So yeah, sure, they're, those are good ones. We're just getting started. We'll, we'll have to see. You know, I think I think time is good. So I always hate to prejudge vintages, but uh, I think that's a good. Like those are the good initial starters. But you know, we look at back in the '90s, like the '98, just smoking now, and everybody overlooked that one. So we'll just have to see. Very expressive '98, I have to say. Um, I have another question here from, let's see, uh, another email from Avi1968 from Tel Aviv, and it says, Stu, what, what's, what a nice show. This is my first time listening before going to work. I would like to tell Bo, bravo, on his excellent winemaking skills. I've had his Napa cab before and truly enjoyed it. No questions, just compliments to him and you for your show. I'll be listening from now on. Well, that was <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, very, very cool. 
Okay, that's well, thank a long you. Way, I mean, that's seriously, that's a long ways away, man. We're making wine in Israel. That's a long way from Napa. Yeah, definitely. So that was that's kind of nice. I I thank I thank him for that email. Um, and then I have some more my questions, more of some of mine. So, um, uh, well, you mentioned surfing and skiing. So, what do you like to do when you're not making wine? Oh. Uh, well, I think that if I had never got this job, I'd be flying airplanes, helicopters, something like that. That's my aviation is my passion. I like that a lot. Okay. And I still, you know, surf, ski. Uh, you know, garden, raise chickens, all that stuff. Mostly farming. But, okay. Uh, well, see, that, that that's kind of nice. And, you know, it kind of gives a little bit of a, a different side to the winemakers. I always like knowing kind of what they do when they're not doing what they do, you know? Yeah. Uh, it gives a little insight. Um, I, I think it, because most people just think that's all people do, you know, and and, uh, and there's much more to you. Um I have, this is the question I ask everybody, uh, all my all my guests, uh, and I, I love the answers out of this. This is my own question I've made up. So, if you could share a glass of wine, your wine, with anyone, live or passed on, who would it be, and why? I would like to uh, share a glass of our Cabernet with Jefferson to show uh, what the you know. Because you got to think about when Jefferson did the Louisiana purchase and they got California out of the whole deal. It's like, that was a big deal. They bought this unknown place. It's like he was making wine in Virginia. So, yeah, I would definitely show, share a glass of our cab with uh, Thomas Jefferson and say, check it out. You know, look, 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 look at what you bought. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. That is, I like that. It's very telling. It is. You know, and and you know, I don't think I, I get a different answer every time from winemakers. You know, I've I've heard everything. You know, from uh, Abraham Lincoln. I've heard people talk about. Uh, you know, I mean, family members who unfortunately have passed. Um, I've I've heard literally everything. But this is I, that's that's very cool. I think that. Kinda, oh, he was he was really into wine. If you understand, if you read the yeah. Jefferson Papers, he was it's, he got it. He he's on the same page as you and me too. Yeah, he, he understood why it's like, you know, it was here to make our lives better. <laughs> Most definitely. Most definitely. Well, I think that's all the time we actually have. Uh, it's gone by pretty quickly, uh, a lot quicker than I would have liked. But uh, I would love to have you on the show in the future again, because there's a lot more questions I have, and, I, I, and there's a lot more emails that I'd like to go through. So, uh, you know, in the future, if you, you'd be interested, again, I'd, I'd love to entertain having you coming on, and uh, we'll talk some more. How does that work? Thank you very much. Thank you. Awesome. I really appreciate you coming on, Bo. Uh, it's been very, very enlightening as to uh, Chateau Montelena. As I, I've mentioned to my my, uh, my listeners, www.montelena.com, definitely go there. If you guys are in Napa, if anyone is traveling there, you have to get to Chateau Montelena just to see it, physically see it. it is a, it's aesthetically beautiful, and uh, the wines uh, express really well, um, wonderful wines. So, uh, you know, get out there and do so. Bo, thanks so much, and, uh, you know, we'll definitely talk again. We'll, we'll definitely continue this conversation. All right, Alrighty? thank you, Stu. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Excellent. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Okay, good night.
That was Bo Barrett of Chateau Montalini. I want to thank him for coming on. That was fantastic. Uh, I really appreciate he does a, a great job of winemaking, and, uh, and anytime you get a chance, you should definitely try it. Uh, some show notes. Uh, let's see. Thanks for the great feedback from Twitter, Facebook, and social media on my new TV gig, NBC's Miami Nonstop Channel Show, uh, Nonstop Foodies. Uh, your wine list segments airs five days a week at 7.30 p.m. on Advanced Cable Channel 133 and Comcast Channel 216. Very proud of this project and being on an NBC show. Attending as a media sponsor February 24th through 26th, the South Beach Wine and Food Festival, Boca Bacanal in March. Keep reading Simply the Best magazine on newsstands all over Florida for more of my wine articles and reviews. Look for my featured wine articles in Mode Lifestyles magazine worldwide. Watch me on Mode TV, coming to Fox Business News Channel and Ion TV. I've also done some interviews for Rye TV in Italy, the Midlife Road Trip Show, and Key West Kitchen on my website. I'm answering your requests for in-home wine tastings here in South Florida and setting up my schedule to host them as time permits. Keep your requests coming. Uh, also, check out the uh, new wine app, the Champagne app that's coming out called Champagne Today. Uh, you can go check out the information about it at www.bedandbreakfastinchampagne.com. Well, that's the show for tonight. I want to thank everyone who listened in, uh, emailed questions. I want to especially thank my guest, Bo Barrett, for coming on tonight. If you have any questions about the show, you can email them to info at stewthewineguru.com. You can go to my website as well, www.stewthewineguru.com, and click on the link for all my wine articles, videos, and to listen to archive wine talk shows. As always, I say, it's time to pour the wine. It's time for Stu the Wine Guru. Night and good wine. And now on Blog Talk Radio, you're listening to Wine Talk with Stu the Wine Guru.